It had been a really busy period of time. It was, um, it was, it was just, it was crazy, crazy busy. You see, um, there'd been some stuff going on in the background. Um, Jesus' cousin, unfortunately, had experienced um, some persecution and imprisonment and and eventually his, um, he faced execution. And, and it, it, it just had a bit of an impact on us. But Jesus, um, being Jesus, was, was not to be uh, put off by those things in terms of his, the ministry. And so we ended up this day feeding 5,000 men plus women and kids, which made it a whole lot of people, to be honest. You got to, I want you just to draw, draw you into this moment with me. Just, just imagine the, 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 the grass is covered, littered with people. And Jesus pr- says, what have we got to feed these people? And we're like, oh, Jesus, uh, we've not really got a lot. We've got five loaves, two fish, and that's what we, yeah, Jesus takes it. And anyway, that's not where I'm getting to this morning because I want to tell you about what happened. So we did distribute and we got involved with Jesus. And have you ever tried feeding 5,000 people? I mean, I've got to be honest, it's really tiring. Crouching down, making sure everybody's got enough and distributing. Anyway, so we get to that point where the end of the day and, um, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, I'm done. I just want to rest. But Jesus, um, always thinking about the mission, he says, just, just get, in, get into the boat and I'll meet you at the other side. You don't need to go over to the other side. Just, I'll meet you there. So Jesus withdraws, and he, he sends us off. Jesus withdraws to the mountain and goes and has some alone time. I've got to be honest, in that moment, alone time seemed like a really good idea. But we're in the boat. Uh, there's, there's me and the, the, there's 11, 11 others, and we're, we're battling through the wind and the waves, and it's, it's just hard work. We've been at it for hours and hours and hours, and... We're tired, we're change, people were changing, the, who's, who's taking responsibility for rowing at various points and we're just getting to the point where it's like 3 a.m. in the morning. Anybody do night shifts? No, 3 a.m. in the morning, that's a that's hard point, isn't it? Because you kind of see the morning coming and you think, oh, I just want to go to bed. And then out of nowhere, just in this moment, there's this figure appears bobbing up and down on the waves, walking, like as if he's walking past us, but we can see him. We think it's a ghost. Like we, we cry, like, can you imagine the panic in that moment? You don't see figures walking on the water unless it's ghostly. Panic, fear, what on earth is going on? It looks like a ghost. I recognize him. There's something about that figure. As we get closer, he gets closer. I recognize him. Jesus. So in the middle of a, of a windstorm, massive waves, I have this bright idea. I say, Jesus, if, it, if it's you... Tell me to come. Come. Now, there's a moment I've got a choice because I've said, 
Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come. What do I do? I can see the wind and the waves. I can see the swirl, the splash. I'm getting drenched, but I do it. I, I step out of the boat and I'm on the water. I'm walking on water. I was a fisherman. How many times did I try to walk on water? I'll not tell you that because you're looking stupid. But I'm, I'm walking and I'm walking towards Jesus. But then, then I remember that it's quite windy. And I see the waves and I can feel the water on my face and I can see the circumstances and I can see at that moment, hang on, I'm walking, I'm on water. Peter, what on earth are you doing? And I begin to sink. And I can feel myself sinking further and further into the water. The fear and the panic is coming. Jesus, save me! Jesus, being Jesus, reaches out his hand, lifts me up, says, you a little faith. It's like a little rebuke for not having enough faith for walking on water. But I get in back into the boat with Jesus. And the other disciples, <laughs> My mates, my friends, they stayed in the boat. But you know, there was something happened in that moment because that encounter with Jesus was so transformative. Because who else can walk on the water? Who else can st calm the raging storm? Who else can speak and the winds die down? And so we had nowhere else to go. But in that moment, we worshipped because there's something about that Jesus. Something about Jesus and the, his, his authority that prompted us to worship. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Jesus came towards them walking on the sea very early in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and it's a ghost, they said, that they cried out in fear. Immediately, spoke, Jesus spoke to them, have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. If it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid and, be and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him and said to him, you have little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind, uh, the wind ceased. Uh, when those in the boat, then those in the boat worshipped him and said, truly, you are the son of God. There's a few things that I want to just draw out from this passage this morning that I, I hope will be helpful to you and helpful to us as a, as a church community. Um, if there's one thing that I want us to leave this place with is not the story at the beginning, uh, not the points that I'll make, but is the magnificence of Jesus and his authority and his power and his goodness and his mercy and his kindness.
I want us to be captivated by Jesus who has the authority to calm the wind and the sea, the one who has authority to walk on the water. You see, I, life, life happens, doesn't it? Like we, None of us, if you've been following Jesus for decades or a week, it doesn't matter, life happens. In the midst of circumstances, we can, we can be listening and thinking about the beckoning of God's call, but you know, stuff happens and it can distract us and it can, um, it, can, uh, it can just put us off course. But I think this passage wants to speak to us this morning about some of those things. And first of all, so I'm going to do this in, in two ways. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to, we're going to point out six things that I've seen about Jesus in this passage that will draw our attention to him. And then there are going to be six things that I think are action points or something to stir us, application for us out of the passage this morning. Is that all right? So if you've got a pen and paper, you can. If you don't want to take a pen and paper down, that's fine. Um, but I always find it helpful just to reflect on it or you can listen to the sermon later on online and go over it again. And there's, some, there's a catalogue of back sermons as well, by the way. Um, so the first thing, the first thing that we want, I want you to notice about Jesus is that it was his prayer-fueled life that led to an obedient life. His, prayer, his, his prayer-fueled life led to an obedient life. See, Jesus, um, while he was on earth, uh, fully God, fully man, was submitted to the, the Father's purposes. He, w- was, he said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I, I only want to do what I'm, I'm commissioned to do. I only want to do, Father, what you have purposed me to do. So therefore, I, I need, he, he's, this is why Jesus operates. And if Jesus needs to operate this way, I would suggest that actually we, we kind of need to operate this way, is that he withdrew from period, periods of time to listen to the Father in order to be about the Father's business. So Jesus withdrew after a busy period of ministry, a busy period, of, a, a busy day, some personal grief, he withdrew. Now, um, Jesus, this wasn't just a one occasion for Jesus. This was a pattern and a rhythm of his life where he withdrew. Now, did Jesus pray in community with others? Absolutely, I think he did. I, Jesus, the disciples came to Jesus, didn't they? Matthew, uh, Matthew 6, teach us how to pray. Jesus teaching them how to pray. It wasn't just in that, giving those, that, those verses, those words. He, he taught them through the life and the pattern of his, of his prayer how to pray, how to approach the Father, how to, how to build a rhythm of prayer into, into one's life that is, is, is able, enable us to walk a life of obedience. Because actually, I don't think we can live a life of obedience if we're not attuning our heart and our ears to listen and see what the Father is doing. Maybe this goes into a bit of application. I'm going to chuck it in now in case I forget. But I wonder whether so much of the Western church, we are so active driven that we get busy doing things that we never stop to listen to what the Father is doing. And when we do that, it disrupts our rhythms and our patterns and we don't like it because we just want to get busy. And, um, and I... I no, I just know that that's not a sustainable pattern for the church. If, if we want to be fruitful and if we want to be obedient, it's just not sustainable because relentless activity never produces the results that we desire. I've tried it. 
We've tried it. It never produces the results. So Jesus, if Jesus did it, then what does it look like for us in the context of our, of our life and our day? So I think what we, what we see reflected in the scriptures in the life of Jesus is that life of prayer to abide with him bore the fruit. To abide with the Father, to be with the Father bore the fruit out of obedience. John 15. Do we desire to be a fruitful people? Like in our own life, in our own character, our, our own walk with Jesus, and I say on our own, but actually it's always in community. It's never in isolation. It's never on our own. It's always in this sense of we, we are together. We take personal responsibility for it, but we want to be fruitful. We want to be, bear the likeness and the character of Christ. But we also want to, I hope, be used by Jesus to help other people move from unbelief to belief, to a place of acknowledging who Jesus is. That's the mission of the church. We are ambassadors of Christ. And we cannot be ambassadors of Christ if we're not formed in Christ's likeness to represent his kingdom. So prayer, now Jesus, um, fully God, fully man, uh, perfect in every way, absolutely the one who brought forth the kingdom, demonstrated the kingdom, lived the kingdom because he was the king of the kingdom. So therefore what Jesus does, what Jesus says, what he actions, what happens is a manifestation of the kingdom. So if we want to be that kind of people, we're not going to do it through relentless activity. We're going to do it through being a people of, of prayer who then out of that place do the things that we see the Father doing. The things that are before us, the things that he calls us into, we step into that place. So Jesus was a, a man of prayer and it fueled his obedience. You see, I don't think we can encounter Jesus in any real way and not, be, not then be moved or motivated to be obedient to him if we're hearing him and we're surrendering our lives so so um so he is um so he his prayer fueled life led to an obedient life um verse 26 he is is always in control and never flustered always in control and never flustered love the fact that jesus comes down from the mountain and he's walking on the water absolute control over physics We've got, Sam you're a physics teacher it's impossible right At physics, you know, like in terms of laws of physics absolutely impossible for anybody to walk on water great I'm, I'm going to save ground but here we have it Jesus fully man fully human flesh and bone like me probably slightly lighter than me but nonetheless, it wouldn't make any difference walking on water unless he was God and had absolute control over the elements. So he, just walking out for a stroll on the water and the waves, completely unflustered by it. And what do we have with the disciples in the boat straining against the wind and the waves? Were they panicked in this moment? I, I don't know. They, they were skilled fishermen. But it was hard graft. Were there some concerns? Maybe I think Peter was concerned when he stepped out on the water because he, yeah, I don't think he was a physics teacher, but I think he understood at the moment that this isn't right. But Jesus is unflustered. I love that about him. Because you and I get so flustered. And we have absolutely no control over anything. Do we? Like, I think control is an absolute illusion. 
We think we control stuff, and we don't. There's, now, to say that, we, we do. I, I, have, I have control over certain elements of my life, but things that really matter, like the big stuff, I, I can make decisions. God's given me a brain, believe it or not, to make decisions and to have elements of control. But in, in terms of the outworking of his eternal purposes, in terms of the mission, in terms of the cosmos, holding all things together, the elements, we have absolutely no control. We have no control over the things that other people do to us. Nothing. We cannot control those things. Jesus has ultimate authority and ultimate control. And he is unflustered by the things that you and I face. In fact, he stood out on the water right in the middle of the storm. If only we'll look for him. If only we'll look for him. And we'll see him, his calming presence. Love Jesus. I think that shows, just for me, shows this measure of, of Jesus' absolute authority. So he's always in control and he's never flustered. Number three, he is good, but his mission is not safe. He is good. Like, in that moment, can you just put yourself in the picture in, the, in, in, in that moment? Whether you're a disciple in the boat or you're Peter walking on the water. Like, when, when Peter stepped out onto the water and he's looking at Jesus, what does he, what does he think? Oh, oh, he's going to scold me. He's like, I'm going to die. I'm going to drown. I'm, what's, what's, he, what's going through his moments? What's, the, what's going on in the minds of the disciples when he, Jesus has sent them off in the middle of the night to row across the other, 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 other side? And when, when life happens and a storm erupts and we feel like we're sinking... The temptation is to think he's not good. That's the temptation, I think, for us all. Like, whatever happens, oh, well, can I really trust in his goodness? Well, Jesus, you told me to come, and the wind and the waves are still going, and I'm still sinking. Is Jesus really good? Because you said it, Jesus, so why is all of this happening? Like, that, that's, that's some, that is the, the natural response, isn't it? Well, if all of this is happening, surely, Jesus, you didn't speak. Surely, Jesus, either I've got this wrong or you've got this wrong. We can doubt his goodness. But he's good. Because he, he spoke, he beckoned Peter, he said, come. Come to me. And his, the outworking of Jesus' goodness it's not always in that everything will always be comfortable. So we, we can equate our comfort or our ease with Jesus' goodness. But I, I know from experience, I know from conversations with others that actually it's often in the most challenging times as we emerge out of that that we, we see the goodness of God. Because his his ability to work in the middle of the storm, his ability to transform us when things aren't going well, when things are uncomfortable, is astounding. If only we'll persevere. If only we'll look up. If only we'll go, Jesus, help me. He is good. 
And you see, the beautiful thing about this is that the, the disciples got, they got back in the boat and they went to the other side and they carried on the mission. Because the mission was the primary objective why Jesus came, to fulfill his mission, to fill the mission of the Father, to fulfill that which he was purposeful, which was to what? Go to the cross, give his life as a ransom for many, die, rise again on the third day, ascend to the Father and proclaim his power and authority over not just the elements, but over the thing that we fear most, death. And so when we look to Jesus and we put our trust in Jesus, we needn't fear whatever happens in this life. It doesn't mean to say we don't, um, don't wrestle with it, we don't um, try and um, we have to navigate it, but it just means that we go, I need, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. So Jesus, um, Jesus is good. Four, he beckons us to join him. See, Peter, Peter often gets a really hard time, don't you think? Yeah. I, I think we sometimes look a bit, he was, he, was, he was impetuous. He was always the one like, to shoot his mouth first and then think later. He's always the one to, to, to jump out, jump on the water first. And where were the others? That competitive run with John and Peter as they want to get to the, to the tomb. And it's like, you see this like competitive edge and... Did Peter sulk because he didn't get there first? Probably. I, I would have. <laughs> Who knows, right? But what I'm trying to say is, we, I think he has a bit of a hard time. But actually, where were the other 11? They were in the boat. I wonder whether they were looking at Peter and going, oh, Peter, what are you doing? And then when he began to sink, I knew it, told you, didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you would sink? Did I tell you you hadn't done it? But the thing I love about Peter was he wanted to be where Jesus was. And he wanted to be with Jesus. And he wanted to do the things that Jesus had called him to do. So therefore he said, Jesus, if it's you, I want to be where you are. If that's on the water, I want to be there. And Jesus will beckon us to come and join him if only we'll ask the question. How many of us are asking the question? Mm. Jesus, if it's you, I'll do it. Come on. Yeah. If it's you, I'm there. Whenever, wherever, whatever you ask me to do, Jesus, I'm there. Yeah. If only we'll ask the question, I believe we'll hear the call. Because right. it took Peter to ask the question in order for him to get out of the boat. I think that's great courage. Will you be as courageous as Peter this morning? Will I be as courageous as Peter? And ask the question. Number five, he uses every opportunity to train us. This was a training moment for Peter. Um, if, if, you, if you know anything about the New Testament, if you've read the Gospels or you've read some of the letters, you'll see that Peter emerges as, as a key figure, the lead, lead voice, the leader of the early church. He's like the key point. So Jesus, this moment, I think, is a leadership lesson. I think it's a trust lesson. I think it's a moment where Jesus is going to use to shape Peter's character because just a little while later, he'll make the declaration, you are, you are the Messiah, you are the Son of God. The, the thing about our training is we don't always get everything up front, fully, completely. 
you see with the disciples there was this progressive revelation of who Jesus was as we go through the story bit by bit they're being the the who Jesus is is being it's being peeled back for them and they're, they're going Jesus and initially go you are the son of God and a little later you are the Messiah the son of the living God there's this increase and I think with 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 Peter there's this movement and preparation for that task which Jesus has purposed him for you and I were in training. You and I were being shaped. We can either keep training or we can lay it down. Now, Alan mentioned I'd, I'd done the, the Land's End, uh, uh, John O'Groats to Land's End. Did it in eight days. Um, it was horrific and mag- magnificent all in the same breath. But I learned something about training. Um, you have to make a choice to get on the trainer. You have to get, make a choice to go through the pain. You have to make a choice to embrace the plan. I didn't design the plan, by the way. Because if I designed my training plan, it would have been 15 minutes in the morning on a Monday, I'll have chocolate the rest of the week. I wouldn't really, but you get what I'm trying. I would, have, I would have made it easy for me to do. I didn't design the plan. We don't get to design the plan because Jesus knows us. He knows our statistics. He knows what's going on in our heart. He knows what he's called us to and purposed us to. We don't get to design the plan. We either embrace the plan or we put the plan down and do our own thing. But he's always training us and equipping us and purposing us for that which he's called us to embrace. And we're, we're, all, we're all different. We may have similar giftings, we may have sometimes similar personalities, but we're all different. It's outworked differently. And I love the beauty of the church because we're different. And we need different skills and different abilities and different characters and different makeups, different backgrounds because it speaks of the beauty of the church. And together we're trained. So, you need me, I need you. Because the things that we learn from one another as Jesus works in us that helps us to fix our eyes upon him. And so, um, I think Jesus is always, there's never a wasted opportunity for Jesus to train us and equip us in, in Christ-likeness um, and, uh, and for the, that which he's purposed to do. Number six, he is incomparably powerful which leaves us only to bow down and worship. When you see him, when you see him calm the storms, when you see him act in ways that only God can act. We've got stories in the room of moments, where, moments in, in our circumstances, in our lives where God has broken in and in ways that can only be described as miraculous breaking in of the kingdom that leaves us going, oh, Jesus, you are magnificent. You are, Jesus, you are, there is none like you. And sometimes we doubt his power to act. Sometimes we doubt his authority. Sometimes we doubt whether he's able to do anything at all because we, we can, all we can see is the wind and the waves. But don't let the wind and the waves distract you from the one who stood on the water. 
the wind, the waves were still there, but the one who has authority over those things is stood on the water. Will you see him in the middle of the storm? Or will you see the storm? Look for him because he's present and his authority and his power he, through those things he's more than able to act so those number those six things about Jesus um, that I think we see from these uh, these verses um, okay some just some things some further thoughts uh, number one uh, faith and presumption are not the same thing so I can presume that God has asked me to do something because I think that that's the right thing. And sometimes it's hard to tell, isn't it? Whether God have you spoken or not. Like, and sometimes we step out in faith and we, 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 we walk step by step and more, the more that we walk in obedience, the more it becomes clear, yeah, God, you, you've spoken. This is, I'm on the right path. This is, this is, this is going, not because everything's always going well, but just because I can see you clearly. And then there's other moments where we can just presume. And I know there's been times in my life where I've just presumed. And it, do you know what? It's gone horribly wrong. Anybody else? It just presumed. And whose fault? Is that God's fault? Is that my fault? I don't know. I just don't know that God uses those to hone the skills to listen and to walk in obedience if we learn some of the lessons of those things. But faith... Faith is responding to who Jesus is and what he's asked us to do. Now, I, I think we can begin to discern that, not just on our own. I think we need community. I actually think we need other people to help us in that process of, God, what are you asking? Because there's so many variables on those things, aren't there? So many of, of, of just uh, our preconceived ideas that we might bring into that, that we need other people to speak into it. Go, well, what do you think? This is what I think the Lord is saying. I don't want to presume, but Jesus, if you call me, I am there. And um, so with, uh, just with um, what we're journeying as a church with, with gospel communities and try, seeking to try and orientate everything around um, mission and discipleship and the sense of journeying together, as a, as a leadership um, and I know if John was here this morning, he'd, he'd, be, he'd be saying yes and amen to this, is that we, we, are, we firmly believe that the Lord has spoken during a, over a course of a, a, year, a number of, you know, like 18 months or so, if not more, around just this call to be more intentional about mission and discipleship. Have we got everything right in the process? No, but who has? Who has? What we see is that Jesus, we said, Jesus, if this is you, then tell us to come. And so, with a little bit of apprehension, a little bit of like, Jesus, we think this is you, so we're going to take a step. We've taken some steps on the water. We've gone out and we've gone, Jesus, we're going to, when, circumstances, yes. Did we expect some of the stuff we expected? No. But it's okay because you're in control. You've got it. You're the one on the water, Jesus. So we're, we're going to follow you. 
And we're going to step. And, and will we sink sometimes? Will, we, will our feet get a little bit wet? Will our face get splashed by the wind and the waves? Yes. Will, we, will, we go, will Jesus go to us? Oh, you of little faith. Because we're going, Jesus, we are, are we, have we really heard right? Have we really got this? But we hear him. Because it's not just one person saying, going up to the mountain and saying, this is what the Lord says. But in the context of community, in the context of the activity of the Spirit, in the context of what he is calling us and beckoning us into, we're going, Jesus, we're going to go for this. And so we, we are learning. If you're, those of you who are visiting this morning, just a number of months ago, we were talking from Joshua and, and that sense of being called into a place where we've not been before. We don't know what it looks like. So because we don't know what it looks like, we're going, Jesus, we need you. Jesus, save us. Jesus, help us. Jesus, speak to us. Because we need to walk in obedience. And so as, a, as, a, as an eldership, we are looking, at, we've been over the, over the years, a number of months, been just journeying through what does it look like for intentional rhythms of prayer and listening and discernment together so that we, we don't just push on ahead presuming on the kindness of God, presuming on his call, but seeking to walk in obedience to that which we believe he's birthed in us. So I say that because waves happen. Bumps in the road occur. It just gets a little bit messy. But I want us to say, I want to say this morning that the, the, most, the most important thing that we do is walk in obedience to Jesus together. Not because we think it's a right idea, but when things are birthed around his mission and his purpose aligned with his will, I think we're on safe footing even if it means we make some mistakes because we look to Jesus, say, Jesus, help us. Because it isn't, about, it isn't about personality, it isn't about personal agenda, it isn't about anything other than saying, Jesus, we want to be about your mission. Because how many people in Stratford-on-Avon district don't know Jesus yet? Thousands, absolutely. Thousands. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people. How many sermons have you and I heard? Thousands and thousands and thousands. And you're thinking, when is this one going to end? <laughs> thousands. How many courses have we been on? How many Bible studies have we been in? How many one-on-one -on -one conversations have we been in with people who are seeking to try and help us and mentor us and disciple us? I've lost count. Have you? Lost count. Now, I love gathering together as God's people. I, I, I've been away for about a month or so. You know, a lot, it feels like a really long time just with things that I've not been out. I, I, do you know what? I've missed you. Aww. I know, I know. We'll get the soppy stuff out now. Um, but I've missed it. I've missed it because we, we like being together. We like it, hopefully. But the danger is if we get into this holy huddle that we lose sight of the big mission. We lose sight of the purpose. And so you'll know that over the, uh, if those, again, those who've been a part of the church for a while, we were up looking to try and operate around these rhythms of up in and out. So there's a balance between the, the worship and the, the, the relational stuff between us, but also this sense of mission. We want to get that balance right. 
So pray for us as we seek to try and address the balance. Seek to us as we try to work through those things that enable us to become a healthy, healthy community of people who are on mission with Jesus and actually love one another. It would be a miracle, Ian. Because love is surrendering our desires and our wants for the benefit of others. Sacrificial. Um, so, right, I'll rattle through these. Are you ask, um, so, yeah, uh, question, really, for you. Are you asking the question like Peter or are you in the boat like the other disciples? Are you looking at those taking a step of faith like in the boat and going, well, I wouldn't do it like that. Peter, if I was you, I'd, I'd get another boat, son. Or are you... Are you willing to take a step onto the water in the places where God has called you to serve and to live and to operate? Scattered saints, but also gathered together in our gathered and collective purpose. Will we be the kind of church that says, Jesus, um, if it's you, I'm there. Will we? I hope so. Three, fix your focus on the one who calls, not your circumstances, surrounding, or anything else. So easy to get distracted by the circumstances and lose sight of the one who calls us. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the one who has ultimate authority. Failure, number four, failure is not fatal or final when seeking to be obedient to the call of Jesus. It's not. And I, I, my, my feeling my sense is that so many of us talk ourselves out of getting out of the water uh, onto the water out of the boat onto the water for fear of failure because we think well what will people think what will people say what if I what if I haven't heard right the only way that Peter could know that he'd heard the beckoning of Jesus was to get out onto the water didn't hear it in the boat didn't sense it, didn't know it. But when he stepped out onto the water and he began to walk, how, how far we don't know, but he walked on water. And in that moment, he knew it was Jesus. But the moment he took his eyes off Jesus and the surroundings, he, he sank. But that wasn't final or fatal for him. He learned and he grew. And Jesus will do it, do it in us as well. So our failure... We don't need to fear failure. In fact, I think it's through our failures that we, that we grow and we learn and we adapt and we change and we listen more attentively and more acutely. So don't let your circumstances or your surrounding or anything else take your focus off Jesus. <laughs> Number five, Jesus saves. Jesus saves. So many, so many of us accidentally or deliberately, I don't know, so many of us put our hope in other things. Accidentally almost. But Jesus saves. Jesus alone. Not our gospel communities, not the pastoral care, not the pastor, not the elders, not the, um, not the Sunday services, not the Bible studies, not the prayer meetings, not the Alpha courses, not the service. Nothing saves other than Jesus. 
And so our call and our response is to put our faith and trust in Jesus, the one who say is the savior of our souls, and go to him. Peter didn't look back at the boat and say, guys, help me. He said, Jesus, save me. Did Peter need these buddies? In that moment, no, he needed Jesus. But when he got back in the boat, can you, I wonder what happened in that moment after, when they'd been worshiping Jesus. Peter, you walked on water. You did it, mate. All right, it might have been two steps, but you did it. Your tuning might be a bit wet, mate, but you did it. But Jesus saved him. And the celebration in the boat was because Jesus saved. And Jesus was present. Let us be a people who worship Jesus and trust him alone for our salvation. Sixth and finally, with this I will shut up. Your action could be pivotal for someone else's revelation. Your action could be pivotal for somebody else's revelation. Peter's action, he got out of the boat. When he got back into the boat, they all worshipped. It wasn't just Peter. Woo, Jesus, thank you, save him. Woo! They all worshipped because they'd had a witness of what Jesus had done in that moment for Peter as he stepped out onto the water and brought him back into the boat. Saw Jesus walking on the water. Jesus, what? Our acts of faith and obedience... Our response to Jesus, our trust in Jesus, our worship of Jesus could very well be pivotal for somebody else's response to Jesus to begin to be worshippers of him. I think that's quite a responsibility, but I think that's quite exciting, don't you? As we take those steps of faith in obedience to Jesus, to be the kind of people he's called us to be, be saturated by his presence and his grace and his love and his mercy and his kindness as he beckons us to join him. Should we be that kind of people? Yes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your kindness and your compassion and your grace that's outworked in our lives. When we Lord, for those moments we take a step of faith and we get distracted by the circumstances and we lose sight of you and begin to sink, Lord, we thank you that you, uh, as we cry out to you, you reach down, you rescue us, you set our feet on solid ground. You are our saviour, our redeemer, our healer, our hope, our life. Jesus, I thank you that as we, as, as OCC, take a step onto the water to begin to, to journey with, with what you've called us into, Lord, would you help us to navigate some of the wind and the waves? Would you help us to fix our eyes upon you as a, as a community of believers who, who feel called by you to participate with you in, in your work? Would you help us to primarily and first and foremost to be a people of prayer who hear your voice and respond accordingly? Would you help us to do it together as a witness to your majesty, your power, your authority, just as a witness to who you are, Jesus, for your glory and your name's sake. Amen.